Imagine your private practice running completely on autopilot. Coming soon, it's my course teaching you the five simple steps to do so. Uh, these are the five simple steps that I have taken and have taught uh, many therapists to take as well in order to generate new leads online consistently and book clients in your sleep. Uh, I'm really excited for this course. It's been a lot, a lot, lot of uh, of, of hard work in the past few weeks and months, uh, a lot of help with the team pulling together to make it happen. Uh, and I'm just really excited to bring it to you. So, um, again, if you want to set your private practice on autopilot, uh, fill the empty slots in your calendar with five simple steps, grow a six or even seven figure practice, then this is the course for you. Um, it's coming very soon. The doors are going to open and then they're going to close um, pretty much right as, uh, right after they open. So uh, if you're interested, get on the list so you don't miss out. It's going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. Go to thejohnclark.com forward slash simple uh, to get on the list. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash simple. This episode is brought to you in part by our friends at Practice Solutions. Practice Solutions is the only billing company company that you need to know. Uh, head to practicesoul.com forward slash John to apply to work with Jeremy and his wonderful team. That's practicesoul, S-O-L.com forward slash John to apply. All right, let's dive in. In this episode, I am sitting down with SEO guru, Matt Milloway, the Matt Milloway from Unconditional Media. Uh, really fun episode, really, uh, really informative. So um, who doesn't benefit from learning a bit more about SEO, especially for, for someone who does it professionally and does it full time. Um, and he does it from all over the world, which is, which is pretty cool. So without further ado, here's Matt Milloway. Matt Milway, welcome to the show. Uh, I was just saying, I can't believe I haven't had you on the show before. I know it's <laughs> wild. Uh, we uh, we're, we're based about ninety minutes apart. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're working together for over a year. It's I, I can't believe it's taking this long either. <laughs> I'm I'm all of a sudden I'm like turning uh, like backtracking and having um, people like you having some of the AdWords specialists on the show, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, I've got I've got great podcast guests all around me and on my own team. <laughs> and uh <laughs> you guys are great sports about uh, about doing this. So, um well, where are you first of all? That's always my that's always my first question when when I talk to you. Sure. So, I am in Florida. I just uh flew back from Japan uh, not too long ago. So, I have uh, successfully um s- overcome the jet lag and just getting back into the swing of things here stateside. Uh, but I was um in Southeast Asia for about a month and then Japan for about a month and just now heading back to the states and you know, of course, with what I do, SEO, I really just need a laptop and Wi-Fi to do my work. So I've used it as an excuse to uh, travel quite a bit um, every year. So at some point, I'm sure I'll slow down. But uh, (laughs) until that time comes, I will continue to get passport stamps and uh, kind of enjoy the ride. So tell people more about that and about how you got went got down this road of doing what you do and doing it from all over the world. 
Sure. So I um, I was a financial planner, very uh, stereoty- very stereotypical uh, nine to fiver. Um, out of college, worked in a cubicle, um, and, and just after a number of years, got kind of fed up with that uh, grind of you know going into an office, um, sitting in a seat for you know the full day, um, knowing exactly what every week was going to bring, um, and you know did some soul searching and, and realized I, I kind of wanted to start something of my own, do something that that challenged me and also allowed me to travel a bit, see the world, um, you know, not be tied down to an office. Um, and, and you know, at that point, uh, still quite some time ago, um, I didn't have too too much of a technical background outside of uh, a year of computer engineering in college, but I dove uh, feet first uh, into web design. Um, um, that was where um, my first technical um, background kind of came into play. Um, then after two or three years of just focusing on web design, um, I realized that SEO was was very much an overlooked uh, concept that was you know very much tied into web design. Um, but but there's just you know not as many people doing SEO, and that also can communicate that effectively uh, you know to people who need that help. Um, so I kind of um, you know, took my web design background, which of course has some SEO elements, and really started focusing on SEO. Um, and you know, as as my SEO expertise grew, um, you know, continued to design websites, but I kind of used both of those simultaneously to grow a business, and you know, have have used uh, that flexibility in terms of being able to do, you know, either web design or SEO from anywhere to just uh, travel the world and you know, kind of flip that. Um, nine to five uh, cubicle job on its, on its head. So that's kind of where I am. I'm wondering what, I think I know the answer to this, but what are some of your favorite countries given that, and how many have you been to? Do you even know? Um, I stopped counting at about 60 to 70. Um, <laughs> it's one of the, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I kind of like to spend quite a bit of time in, in a country. So instead of just blitzing through, um, you know, and, and checking off countries on the list, I like to kind of embed myself in a culture and a town, um, you know, have a situation where the local barista, you know, knows what I'm going to order every morning when I, <laughs> you know, sh- shuffle in to get my coffee at, at seven or eight after my morning run, um, you know, like to get an apartment where I can kind of make my own food, go to the grocery store, you know, use Google Translate to make sure I'm, I'm buying the right noodles or the right pasta sauce, uh, <laughs> you know, get, go through those day-to-day things that you would in, you know, in the States or wherever you live, but in a foreign country. And, 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 and kind of get that sense of normalcy, um, even if it's for a small snippet of time. Um, so with that being said, um, you know, I, I've traveled enough to probably see every country, but I've kind of slowed down um, and, you know, really focused on, um, you know, spending quality time. And on top of that, I, I just kind of stopped counting because the number didn't really mean too much to me. Um, but with that being said, I certainly have favorites. Um, some of it depends on you know, what I'm looking for. Um, I think in terms of a place you can get to close to the States, uh, Columbia is wonderful. I know mm-hmm. you would tend to agree. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then I'm also pretty obsessed with uh, Southeast Asia as an entire region. I've spent quite a bit of time um, in, you know, Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Laos, Vietnam. Um, I lived a couple of months in Bali um, last summer. And, you know, I know just the word Bali kind of strikes oohs and ahs with a lot of people who haven't oh, yeah. been. Um, and it, it's, it's a great place, um, you know, on, to, on top of the stereotypes, it's, it's a, a perfect place for a 
digital nomad like myself. Um, it's great for meditation, for hiking, for all sorts of things. Um, it's also a great look at the the culture in Indonesia. Um, you know, lots of um, historical buildings and temples and things like that. Um, so it's it's kind of a nice um, you know spot to. to kind of call a home base in the region. So in terms of a place, you know, that I could kind of live for a couple of months or maybe even a year and kind of do what I do, um, you know, Southeast Asia and then particularly Bali, um, you know, comes to mind as well. But, you know, I, I could go on and on, you know, pa- travel is, is probably my biggest passion if you couldn't tell already. So, you know, I could, I could certainly s- sit down over a good cup of coffee and, uh, you know, chat about travel for you know probably days and days. <laughs> it's, it's almost more than travel for, for someone like you, because you're, you're just living your life. Um, this is your new normal. You're just living it in wildly different places um, for varying amounts of time. Yeah, the, you you really hit the nail on the head there. And you know, I don't view it as travel in the sense of a vacation. You know, a lot of, a yeah. lot of people kind of travel. Um, they have more of a narrow window. You know, which is perfectly fine. But you kind of you know you go somewhere for maybe a couple of weeks, and it would be silly to not see these specific sites or do these certain things. And it does end up being a bit, you know, more of a rush where it does feel like a trip, you know, or a vacation. And you kind of have a set number of things you want to get out of it. Um, whereas I just kind of go somewhere and exist. Um, you know. If you were a fly on the wall in Bali, let's say, um, you would find my day-to-day routine pretty similar to what it would be back in the States. I wake up, I go for a run, I find a good cup of coffee, you know, I sit down, you know, check my email, get some work done, um, you know, typically stop working midday to do something else active, you know, go back to work. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, um, you know, routine oriented day um, that really doesn't differ that much. And, you know, days and weeks and months just kind of, you know, bleed into each other. And the next thing I know, I've lived my life, uh, you know, halfway around the world for, you know, X amount of months. So, <laughs> and, and your family members are still scratching their heads wondering what, what do you do again? <laughs> They are both friends and family members. Um, joke that that a they never know where I am. Yeah, um, or it, when are you going to get a real job? Quote unquote. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's certainly not the norm, but it's also becoming you know more popular as more jobs you know are able to be completed, um, you know, without sitting in a, a cubicle and you know being able to just take your laptop um, and kind of work from wherever. So it's it's. Um, I haven't found the perfect, uh, you know, word or description yeah. for what I do or, or my lifestyle. Um, but, but, you know, after a couple of uh, minutes, I can at least, uh, you know, kind of paint a pretty good picture and, you know, more and more people I've seen through the years can, can kind of nod their head and at least know of, of a few more people that are doing it. And I'm certainly not a trailblazer. You know, there's plenty of people that I drew inspiration from, you know, just to kind of, you know, get, get away from that, you know, day-to-day grind. Um, so I'm, I'm not doing anything new. I, I just think I'm kind of, you know, at that crossroads where it's, it's not fully mainstream, um, but, but there's still plenty of people doing it or trying to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot more people drawn to the lifestyle now and, uh, there is a bit of a model. You and I've talked about four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which is a great book for anyone trying to learn to even just think about life differently or life and work differently. And, and he talks quite a bit about location independence and how to do it. Um, and yeah, and then I'm always amazed at the, um, there's like an underground of digital nomads or whatever you want to call yourself location independent that connect with each other. There's amazing online forums. There's like, you, it seems, and it seems like you, you tend to make friends wherever you go anyway. And you almost have like, uh, 
an instant in with people that are doing the same thing you are. And then you end up seeing them in other countries, which is always, always like amazes me, like wherever the next kind of hotspot is. Like I know a lot of people, like you said, going to Medellin, uh, Colombia, uh, ending up there and being like, oh yeah, I met you in Bali or I met you in Thailand. And so it becomes a smaller world to some degree if you, you know, if you kind of go after those connections of, of people doing, uh, living similar lives. Yeah, it's it's really wild, and you know, with with places like that having co-working spots now, where you know you might not have a brick and mortar business with an office, but you know you can sign up for a monthly plan, um, you know, and, and show up at a co-working spot where other people are doing exactly what you're doing, um, you know, and they have networking events. Um, you just, sometimes you're able to teach a class or speak in front of others, and then of course the main point of the co-working spot is to have a desk or a table to do your work, you know, kind of amongst other people that are also trying to be productive and you know it it not only encourages you to kind of be productive with your day and, and you know get the most out of that that membership that you paid for but then also kind of puts you in front of a ton of other people who are solo travelers or maybe even traveling with their partner and, you know, and, and have this lifestyle and yeah. you know there's this instant camaraderie and, and kind of connection that's formed um you know when you're kind of you know trailblazing so to speak and you know going from from country to country and a lot of these co-working spots have relationships with other co-working hubs you know halfway across the world so you're very right maybe you know the, the a group of people who end up in in thailand and uh, chiang mai for instance uh you know one month might find themselves in riga latvia the next month at, at a co-working spot that has some kind of you know sp sponsor or, or, or partnership deal so um it's it, it's amazing how small the world feels um once you start getting connected with with people like this so. <laughs> is is there a book um maybe other than the four-hour work week that you'd recommend if people who are listening are are interested and in even just understanding more about how um how what, what the life kind of looks like what the lifestyle kind of looks like um it's funny you ask that you know pe people have told me i should write that book um <laughs> but my my um, go to after the four hour work week was was to read, you know, a lot of you know blog posts, articles, things like that. People, you know, kind of putting things into perspective like, oh, the cost of living actually isn't as high as you think for traveling. Right. Uh, you know, being able to run a business remotely is is perfectly feasible. Here's why, you know, case studies, things like that. Um, when I first started doing it, to be honest, um, there really wasn't a ton of literature and let's say Barnes and Noble on the topic outside of, you know, the four hour work week and, and a few other, um, popular ones that have kind of stood the test of time. Um, you know, since then, as I was kind of putting my head down and working hard to kind of get to that point, a lot of other books have come along and I know they exist, but I was so busy trying to do my own thing and kind of learning on the fly that, that you know, fast forward X amount of years later. Um, and, and, you know, people ask me, Hey, what would you recommend? And I'm like, well, I'm like, I, I can kind of tell you what I did and what worked and what didn't. Um, but you know, outside of, uh, you know, a handful of articles that I bookmarked just to kind of, you know, draw, draw back on over the years. Um, I actually haven't read any, you know, just definitive book outside of the four hour work week, um, which, which kind of, I, I wouldn't say it was an inspiration and, you know, part of it isn't fully related because, you know, Tim Ferriss was, you know, trying to build something that, that was more product based and automate mm -hmm. things like drop shipping and things like that. But a lot of his outlooks on just how to be independent, even how to, you know, break free from your um, employment and things like that were, were certainly very, very helpful. Um, so that's the really the only one that kind of, you know, stands out um, outside of just some articles I've kind of thrown into a folder over mm -hmm. time. Let, let's make the very abrupt transition to to, to talking about um, the thing that therapists fear the most, which is 
clients with borderline personality disorder. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's SEO. Um, <laughs> I could talk for hours with you about travel and living abroad and, you know, building a remote company, remote team. And in fact, we end up talking about that a lot every time we talk about business stuff anyway. But, um, I, and I don't, we, we might not have even mentioned this part, but I can't remember, remember how you and I met, but we met online <laughs> as people tend to do nowadays and, um, started talking about, uh, working together, collaborating. And this was kind of earlier days of private practice workshop. And we had, um, you actually, I'm remembering now you generously put started putting together materials for us to build an SEO course or really you to build an SEO course <laughs> and we never got it off the ground. And then you started doing SEO for um, what was then probably just private practice workshop coaching clients fast forward to where we are today. And you have now you've done SEO for a whole bunch of therapists uh, through unconditional media and continue to do just stellar work with them. Every, every, every time I, um, turn around, there's someone raving about their experience with you. And and I think part of it is, is having the technical abilities that you have, right? But the other part is demystifying SEO for therapists in a way where they don't feel in the dark anymore. You know what I mean? Where they feel like, okay, wow, someone actually broke that down to me and explained it in words that I can understand and gave me a strategy and gave me a plan um, to carry out. And they like the the relief that they feel after working with you is again, like almost worth as much as the actual technical stuff that you're going in and doing with their websites. Um, so just wanted to say that right off the bat, but tell me like, you know, what it's been like, um, working with all the therapists you have and what are the, what are the main things you've learned or and want therapists to know about SEO? Yeah. And, you know, first off, I want to say that the the SEO is certainly teachable. And, you know, my big emphasis through the entire process is to not only do the technical aspect, which is which kind of, of course, gets gets the job done, but also it's it's continually a two way street between myself and who I work with. Um, You know, when I supply keywords or I supply this or that, um, there's always context behind my decision making. There's a big educational component because ultimately um, I don't want it to be a situation where I say, hey, your website needs this or your keywords need to look like this. um, And someone just have to kind of take me at my word and and run with it when it's their business. It's, it's, you know, their livelihood. Um, So I always make sure to to try to explain as best I can. and SEO is rather explainable. You know, it's it, it's not um, it's 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 not heart surgery. You're not building a, a rocket to go to the moon. Um, you know, it's certainly uh, more complex than other things. And for, for therapists who you know are busy seeing clients every day, it can feel daunting. Just like me considering changing the oil in my car. You know, it's it's it can be learned, um, but you know, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. So you know, until someone kind of shows you the ropes um, or you're in front of something the right way, um, it can feel daunting. Um, but but what what I have done, you know, through the last years working with therapists is is just seeing uh, how of rewarding of a process this can be and you know when when people kind of see not only the results but understand 
um, you know, what goes into SEO and some of these core components, um, you know, there is just a sense of relief um, knowing that, you know, okay, like I, I might not know the best way to find this perfect keyword, but I also know how everything works and I can kind of do, you know, a reasonable job on my own if I need to for certain things. And, you know, there's just, just that kind of, um, you know, level of understanding that, that, that I really want everyone to get to um, mm-hmm. because ultimately um, just like designing a website, um, you might not want to micromanage every element of your website, but you would ultimately like to be able to, you know, log on to the back end, update some things, kind of understand how everything works. Well, and I'm glad um, you used it, the car analogy because you, um, you, I've actually used that one before. And, and it, when I talk and teach about digital marketing as a whole, um, let's, let's consider changing your, your oil, for example, as it, as a parallel to SEO. At the very least, I want therapists to become an informed consumer about this car that they own and operate and maintain and get some help maintaining, right? So you get this car, which is your website, or for some people, let's say it's a website that was freshly built by um, a designer and developer, and SEO was not part of the equation or part of the service offered. You at least need to know how a car works, right? So. It's like you need to know that oil needs to be in a car to lubricate um, the cylinders of the engine, right? And that this, the cylinders of the engine create combustion and that combustion fuels, you know, the, the drivetrain and the transmission or whatever. And I feel like, again, you just need to know enough. You need enough to know enough to be dangerous or to, to make uh, some informed decisions, right? And to know if you are going to hire someone that they don't take you for a ride. Cause I think that's the other thing that again, I think you've tapped into and we've tapped into um, as a team is taking something that um, can be uh, stereotypically kind of untrustworthy of people going, sure, I'll quote unquote do your SEO. And then the therapist reaches out a year later, six months later and goes, why am I nowhere to be found? So I think that's the other part is that people get duped a lot or by people who reach out and say, oh, I'll do, you know, create a hundred backlinks for you and that'll get you on page one. And they go, sure, sounds good. And it was only a hundred dollars. It was only $500. And then they're really frustrated um, and they still have no idea what they did under the hood. Yeah, you hit a, a very big point there. And, and quite honestly, that might be the biggest, you know, takeaway that I've you know gotten from from doing this. SEO work with, with, you know, probably 50, 60, 70 therapists at this point is that, you know, they have a misconception that, that, that it's, um, you know, it's, it's more work than it needs to be, um, that it needs to be micromanaged every month that, that, you know, there needs to be some big to do to, to, you know, set things up and to tweak and to send reports. And, and, and you know, that there's this overwhelming concept that, that if I get someone to help me with SEO, you know, I, I'm going to be tied in, to this really big thing that might end up being one of my bigger month-to-month expenses. Um, the reality is, and you know, what I think I've I've tried to you know explain to everyone, and, and what our business model is, is that you know you don't need to micromanage it every month. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it, if you're tweaking it on a month-to-month basis, you're typically doing more harm than good. Um, you want to really you know do it right the first time. Um, you know, with your core pages, you know, the home page, uh, your about page, your, your key service pages. You know, those um, main pages that live on your menu that you ultimately want to funnel you know people towards. And you know, that's really the the bread and butter of of your private practice and 
um, you know, if you do it right the first time and you optimize it in the right way, um, you know, it needs to sit, it needs to gather momentum, and you're going to reap rewards from those optimizations for years to come. Um, it's not something where, you know, you need to continually tackle new wrinkles and new problems on a month-to-month basis. And, and um, so it, can you, can you ex- expand that part a little bit? Because I think that's crucial. And I even see, I was working with a therapist not long ago who had done a ton of keyword placement and a ton of, uh, you know, great content and she was frustrated with it, having little results and we rea- we realized she was changing her content meaning the the words on her services pages home pages etc um just about every month because she was still really unhappy with it and so when she, she was doing that and was actually creating um you know more of a delay um and probably creating some confusion confusion on google's end but maybe explain why this part is important and also why therapists don't necessarily need a monthly retainer like maybe some bigger businesses do Sure. So the reason why, uh, you know, kind of keeping things as is for a while is important is, you know, Google really um, needs to gain the trust of their audience. Um, if, if you were to, let's say, search for the best sushi restaurant in your area one month and you see the top 10 results and then you might have gone to one of those sushi places but forgotten the name and then you just like, oh, what's that sushi restaurant? So the next month you put in the same search and then the top 10 results are completely different. You're like, you know, why is Google telling me that a month later there's 10 different sushi restaurants that I should go to? You know, that kind of erodes trust as, as uh, you know, the relationship between a searcher and Google. So what you want to do is, is keep your content the same because Google needs time to see those optimizations, see what your content is about, um, you know, re-index your content, um, and it's going to slowly gain momentum over time. And if, let's say, you start on the fifth page, um, and then your SEO is optimized, and then two or three months later, you may be at the top of the fourth page. And some people's inclination might be, well, I need to go in and tweak some more things to maybe get up to the third page. But what you do when you change this, Google kind of has to do an about-face and say, well, I thought their page was about this. It was going really well, but now it's about this other thing, or we aren't quite sure. And instead of moving it further up the rankings, um, a lot of times you kind of ground to a halt or you end up going backwards, Um, you know, because all of the movement within Google is typically a very, very slow process unless you're in an area with just such low competition that that just optimizing the page um, will simply get you, you know, let's say on the first page. Um, So the big takeaway there is that, um, you know, you don't want to continually change content and have Google keep you know, throwing up red flags, throwing up question marks, because it is a much, much slower process. Um, it's, it's a very rewarding process. And when your page does hit that ceiling, whether it's first page, second page, wherever it may be, uh, you know, you're going to continually stay at that spot um, for quite some time. And you, you might often stay around that spot for the life of your website. Um, hey, what would you say therapists should do to, to maintain that positioning once they have achieved it with you know, good keyword placement, indexing their pages with Google, et cetera. Sure. So once you have that placement, um, the best thing you can do is just to continue to monitor your website to make sure that that there isn't any indexing errors or things that could negatively impact you, Um, you know, work on things that are related like backlinks, um, social media. There's a lot of things that might not even seem like they're related to SEO, um, but there's kind of a domino effect involved and, you know, doing a good job with your total online presence. um, That includes things like 
Google My Business. Um, you know, th- th- there's kind of a whole bucket full of things that aren't directly tied into your page rankings, but kind of help you tread water at that higher level place and can kind of set you apart from the competition if there's someone else who, you know, might even be a bigger practice, um, you know, and, and, and has maybe, you know, more visitors per month simply because maybe they have 20 or 30 therapists at their practice. And, you know, they have more volume and certain things that you're just not going to be able to overcome. You kind of need some of these other elements of play just to make sure that you're kind of evening out the playing field and kind of, you know, staying in that higher spot, if that makes sense. And, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, and, and some of it, even if it isn't directly related to SEO, if you can imagine being active on social media and you post something about your website, then someone visits your website. Um, just the fact that more people are visiting your website and, you know, navigating around and, you know, all, all of those things play a role, even if it isn't a direct role, um, you're still having more engagement on your website. Um, and that's where just kind of making the SEO optimizations and then sitting back um, isn't the best answer. Um, in terms of the SEO optimizations themselves, yes, they should be left alone to breathe and to kind of do their work over time. But you also need to kind of build around that um, with just making sure that you know your website looks great um, on a mobile device, that it loads quickly, um, that it's a great user experience. You know, people are spending time on your website. You know, they're being drawn to your website and aren't immediately leaving. Um, you know, the more engagement you can generate around your website, um, the more um, points Google is going to give you, um, and, and that comes back to your page rankings, um, e- even if is even if that isn't a direct SEO optimization. Right. So not only uh, do you have, um, in, in, in an ideal world, do you have, you've done good keyword research, right? Whether that's at a very basic level or a slight or more advanced level, you've placed those keywords in the different important positions, uh, places on your website, which we don't have to go into that now because we've talked about that. Even that answer is very easily Googleable <laughs> or Googled, um, but you've got good keyword placement. You've got keywords woven into your content naturally. You've indexed those pages, right? And then, and then you think about what is that next step, um, and and kind of adding fuel to the fire, right? Yeah, and it's really you know the website quality is is, is huge. Um, that's kind of the most direct partner to good SEO. Um, if you have phenomenal SEO. Um, but your website isn't great, that's going to cause two problems. One, that added visibility on Google um, is, is going to generate low ROI because you know, you're gonna get more people on your website, but then they're not gonna have that experience that resonates with them and compels them to ultimately contact you. Um, the other thing is that you know, because your website isn't great, um, even if your, your SEO is good on paper, you know, things like, being mobile friendly and page speeds and some of those other things that I mentioned um, mm-hmm. are, are still going to cause Google to rank you lower. Yeah, broken um, links, th- th- stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And that's why having, you know, a, a Google search console account um, on top of a Google analytics account can kind of help you monitor your, your health. Um, a lot of people, you know, just have the analytics account to look at numbers, um, but they don't have that search console account, which really, you know, plays into the the health of your website. You know, it it can kind of let you know if, if you do have a broken link, um, you know, what pages are being indexed, um, you know, some of those 
um, big picture things that are kind of hard to pay attention to, um, you know, without having a tool like that. And having a tool from Google that tells you that is, is huge because ultimately Google is who you want to win over. So if you're kind of monitoring that search console accounts and you're making sure there aren't any errors, you, you kind of feel pretty safe that, that you're in line with what Google expects. Yeah. Um, you know, and so just making sure that, that, that your website is, is not only, you know, designed well and, and, you know, is a great experience. It kind of leads people intuitively to, you know, a contact form or a schedule an appointment uh, button, whatever the case may be. Um, just, just kind of making sure all of those, you know, T's are crossed and I's are dotted, um, and in terms of those, those technical aspects are huge too. Um, and, 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 and so really pairing a good website with the SEO is, is, is going to get you, um, the best possible outcome. And then to, you know, that, that, that third bucket being, okay, how am I going to kind of drive engagement to my site elsewhere? You know, I'm not just going to sit on this SEO and, 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 you know, hope that it does well. I'm, I'm going to take this, this SEO and, and, and this great work and I'm going to run with it further. And I'm going to say, okay, maybe I'm, I'm going to spend, you know, 15 minutes a week to, to, to queue up some so- social media posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm going to do, um, you know, I'm going to send a newsletter to, to, to once a month to, to draw people to my site. I'm going to do these other yeah. things just to be a little bit more active and a little bit more engaging. Right. Um, once you've it, handled the the uh, the first steps of SEO. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the big thing too is is backlinks. I know a lot of people might not be um, you know 100 clear on what that is, but really um, you know if if you make a point to, to let's say reach out to leaders in your area. Um, or, you know, magazines, publications, blogs that are kind of, um, you know, talking about what you specialize in. Um, you know, let's say that you, that your private practice does ADHD testing for children or, you know, something like that. And you have a, um, you know, a, a, a local blog or a local magazine in your area that is very child focused. It might even be, you know, affiliated with a school or something, and you can get them to talk about your services, your website, and include a link um, to your website. Uh, That's called a a backlink. And if you get backlinks from respectable third-party sites, um, that's going to greatly improve your page rankings too. And it doesn't really take a lot of effort. You kind of, you know, need to formulate a pretty decent email, especially if you're, you know, kind of reaching out to someone who you haven't spoken to before. They're really just introducing yourself to, you know, respected websites in your area of expertise that might be willing to to collaborate with you on something, maybe to even interview you to do anything that will include a link back to your site. Um, that's also a, that is absolutely phenomenal. And one thing mm-hmm. that a lot of therapists overlook and that really doesn't take too, too much time. Um, you can even get an assistant to kind of start that that line of, of you know, communication and then just kind of step in if and when you get a bite. Um, yep. But that's having great. something like that where you kind of reach out and network, that's going to, you know, draw more people to your site just by the fact that you have a link and maybe a popular article, but then Google is going to like that you did that and improve your page rankings. So more people are going to see you on Google. So it's kind of a a win-win. Yeah. It's just, it's doing more things to show Google that your site is not only a popular place or as I call it a cool place to hang out, you know, a cool place to hang out. Um, but is also an important website, right? So a lot of therapists, they unintentionally send a lot of traffic away from their website. So you land on their homepage and they've got 15 different links heading away to other pages and articles and an NPR article and this and that. And you're effectively telling Google, Hey, um, my site's really not important. And yes, it's not NPR, but again, you don't want to be telling Google this, that your site is, is, is that unimportant that you're sending people away, away, away. Um, well, we got a couple of minutes left. Part of my, part of the philosophy of, you know, my work with therapists of, of, 
of this show of Unconditional Media is helping therapists fill the empty slots in their calendar, overcome their fears of digital marketing, do all of this without the overwhelm. So with that being said, like if you if you could distill it down and let's say there's there's a therapist listening and they're already doing pretty well. They're ranking for a, a handful of popular search terms. They're on page one for a handful of search terms. What is maybe one thing that you think they should do after listening today? Um, maybe an ongoing kind of maintenance thing. And then for the the person who's just at the very beginning to, uh, of thinking about SEO, where do you think they should start? Um, and then after that, um, uh, how can people find out more about you and get in touch? Sure. So I will start with, with the easiest, and that's people just kind of starting out. Um, and I will say the big thing to consider is is being as specific as possible in terms of what you offer. Um, and a lot of people kind of, you know, make the mistake. And it's, it's you know, it's how I would kind of view things if I didn't know SEO. It's like, okay, maybe I provide individual therapy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to put a page up on my site that is just titled individual therapy. I'm going to touch on, you know, things that I address, let's say anxiety self-esteem, whatever the case may be. But, you know, my, my main focus of this page is going to be individual therapy. Maybe I also have couples counseling. Um, you know, maybe I, I also have, you know, a few other services, but they're going to be pretty broad. And especially, you know, thinking about that individual therapy page, um, if that really is an emphasis working with individuals, um, you really kind of need to take things a step further and really consider what you're most passionate about, um, you know, what mm-hmm. what really drives your practice. Is it working with people with low self-esteem? Is it, you know, people with anxiety disorders? You know, what are those things that you really specialize in and creating dedicated pages, you know, for those specific things? Right. Um, because people are not going to search for individual therapy. If, if, if I'm feeling something or I'm experiencing something and, and I, you know, go to google.com and I search for a therapist, I'm typically going to relate that to whatever that thing is. If Mm -hmm. if I'm anxious, if I'm depressed, um, I'm going to use those words. I'm not going to use the word individual therapist. I might just say therapist, but the idea of individual therapy is, is kind of a nice way to frame your your service in a broad sense but it, it the term individual just doesn't have, um, any, it's not necessarily um, what people are searching. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and, and and so if you're just starting out and kind of visualizing how to create a website, how to kind of frame um, your services, I'm really taking it a step further and taking the time to you know kind of break that down and be a little bit more specific. Yeah. Um, even if you don't get an expert to optimize your SEO, just the sheer fact that you're calling a page, let's say anxiety therapy versus yeah. individual therapy is going to go a long way. Um, so that's kind of a, a big takeaway that that, you know, that's for great. anyone that's, that's just kind of starting out. Um, well, and it's the know. power of services pages, right? Because a lot of therapists get caught up on, oh, I have to know my niche in, before I start a practice or they niche uh, around something that they actually don't want to because they feel pressured to because other therapists tell them they have to or someone in a Facebook group said they had to. But especially, uh, you know, if you are a generalist, which most therapists are, um, your specialties are just a, a one door uh, one of many doors into a house, right? And your services pages can can function like that as well, right? Your services pages can almost be treated like individual websites um, with their keyword placement, with the way that they perform. You know, again, just different doors that lead into the same house for therapists. And it relieves therapists of this pressure of, oh, I, if, I, if I just do ADHD, that's the only thing I can ever do. Sure, if you want to build a practice like that. Um, but again, you can leverage your services pages to promote the different services you offer under um, w- within your practice. Exactly. 
Um, and then talking about people who are a little bit, you know, farther along in the process, who have done some work um, or finding success, I will say, you know, finding some of those subtle nuances between different terminologies can make quite a bit of difference. Um, if you're factoring in, let's say, a certain area, you know, what is going to be more popular? Is it couples counseling versus couples therapy? Um, how popular is marriage counseling versus the term couples? You know, you, you can really get into the weeds with some of that and, and, and find out, wow, you know, 150% more people per month are searching for this other phrase. It means the exact same thing, um, but it's just this subtle variation. And, you know, having access to, you know, an SEO expert who can really run the data um, is, is going to kind of paint that um, really clearly for you. But you can also do a few things on your own to at least get a, a smaller uh, sense of the landscape. Um, if you Google, let's say, you know, couples therapy in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you scroll down to the very bottom to the searches related to um, part, um, which is right before you can kind of click on to the next page, um, you'll kind of see a handful of searches that Google recommends that are r related to your search. Mm -hmm. And what you'll often find is that Google is suggesting maybe, you know, out of their eight suggestions, um, six of them are related to couples therapy, even though you put in couples counseling or vice versa. Right. And you can kind of get right. a sense of maybe what is most popular in your area um, just by taking that easy and free look at, at the bottom of Google. And it, it's not a perfect science, but it can at least kind of clue you in on saying, hey, like maybe I need to phrase this a slightly different way, or it might clue you in that you need to get, you know, an expert involved to really, you know, crunch the numbers. But, you know, I found a lot of therapists um, who have done SEO in the past and kind of have, you know, reasonable working knowledge of how things work can just take that intel alone and make some small modifications yeah. that that will um, greatly improve the results of those pages. Ultimately, in, you know, a lot of these spots, like the search snippets that appear in Google, you can't put everything. You have to be right. very... Have to uh, yeah. be selective. Yeah, you have yeah. to be selective, and so if you can change couples therapy to couples counseling or something like that, and it means the exact same thing, but you can essentially, you know, get, get to a point where you know you're you're targeting maybe fifty percent, seventy five percent. I've seen even two hundred percent more people just by making a small tweak to your title, for instance, um, awesome. you know, because you're really focusing on what people in that area are looking for, and mm -hmm. it is very location specific you know yep, there are exactly. there are regions in the country that view something completely differently than another region um you know yeah. and it's 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 just kind of it's it, it just goes down to terminology and a lot of it doesn't really make sense you know why does this state or this area really love couples therapy over over couples counseling and why does this other area really <laughs> yeah. love the opposite but 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 you know that's yeah, what the data says do. and you know you yeah. kind of go with the data and, you know, those are things you're not going to know going into it, even if totally. you have a great working knowledge of formatting and things like that. So that's, totally. that's a good little free tool um, to use for awesome. people who kind of have a lot of that in place, but, you know, kind of want to get into the weeds just a little bit. So Love it. Well, man, this is great. And I'm sure some people are foaming at the mouth wanting more. Some people are at the brim with information and hitting the rewind button, hitting that 15 second rewind button over and over again, trying to catch what you're saying uh, and implement. But, you know, again, like for you guys listening, don't, you know, don't take in more information than you can implement. So just take something from today and kind of chart it out or take something in today that you can actually implement uh, move forward or make that decision that you're going to kind of skip the line entirely and get some help with this thing at least to get really good seo foundations in place so that maybe you can turn around and then focus on the things you're good at um, whether that's 
your content strategy, your blogging, your video blogging, et cetera, but at least, you know, kind of know when to reach out. Um, speaking of which, Matt, so how can people reach out um, to, to work directly with you? Yeah, so pretty easy. Just my last name, which is Milloway, M-I-L-L-O-W-A-Y, at unconditional.media. Um, that's a direct line to my email address. Um, the other option is to go to the website, just unconditional.media uh, forward slash SEO hyphen therapist. Um, that sh- shouldn't be too, too tough to, to find. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you works. have a, yeah, I don't know if you have show notes like Tim Ferriss or yeah. not. But well, oh yeah, you bet. <laughs> perfect. We can, we'll we can add the links there. Uh, yeah, yeah, we awesome. have that technology. Well, Matt, this has been fantastic, man. And you know what? I think what we'll do maybe another time is collect questions from the audience first and then have you on again and maybe do like a Q&A style. I think that would be really neat for people to be able to pick your brain. So we'll do that next time. But I just wanted to have you on here and just, you know, kind of unpack some of this stuff and, and also kind of showcase some of the work that you've been doing with therapists um, uh, through the team. So it's been awesome. And um, thanks for, for hopping on the show today, man. And and uh yeah appreciate it a lot yeah thanks so much for having me that's it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it like i mentioned at the beginning of the episode if you're ready to put your private practice on autopilot and get clients filling the empty slots in your calendar even while you are asleep head on over to thejohnclark.com forward slash simple to stay um, updated on the launch of our course. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash simple. All right, see you next time.